Welcome to Shit You Don't Want to Talk About. Before listening to today's episode, please be advised, some content may include discussion around topics that are difficult to hear, especially for children under the age of 13. We want to encourage you to care for yourself, security, and well-being. Resources of each episode will be listed in the episode description and on the website shittotalkabout.com. Hey, Brittany. Thank you for joining Shit You Don't Want to Talk About. Please introduce yourself and what shit you want to talk about today. So my name is Brittany. I am originally from New Jersey. Don't live in New Jersey anymore. I live in Ireland now. And um, the shit I want to talk about is basically overcoming obstacles, trauma, and why we don't really have to deal with the the, the dealing of the hand of cards that were dealt as um, as, you know, our family problems and, and what we're born into. That's, that's my shit. <laughs> I dig it. And yeah, you definitely don't have a Jersey accent anymore. You have an Irish accent. How long have I you do. been in Ireland? Um, so I'm here since October, 2010. So we're going on 11, 11, 12 years. It'll be 12 years this year, I guess then. Will it? Am I really bad at maths? No, 12 years this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Don't yeah, worry. No. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, October, 12 years later this year. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. So no, we're going on 12 years. So um, I definitely don't hear the, the American accent, never mind New Jersey, because I know I'm not New Jersey anymore. But um, like other people are like, you're not from Ireland. Is it Australian or is it Canadian? I'm like, call me Australian one more time. I swear to God. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, it's kind of worn off at this point. I'm not the New Jersey girl I once was. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny with the accents part. I sat, uh, I was on a plane from, uh, uh, from London to Bulgaria and uh, this band ended up sitting next to me and they were all making fun of me uh, because I couldn't tell if they were Australian or British. <laughs> and I do think it, is that they were trying to put on a British accent to like throw me off because there are, yeah. but they're like, you can normally tell the difference. And yeah, also I was just that actually, yeah, you can normally tell the difference and you can also normally tell the difference of British. I say British to Irish accents or even oh, God, accents, yeah. or yeah. like the different areas of London or like they have everywhere has a different accent. It's crazy. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, enough about, you know, accents. They always, <laughs> accents. They, throw, <laughs> yeah, they, they always throw me for a loop. Uh, so tell us, like, let's first start off with that. You wrote a book I and I wrote my you, autobiography. What? Give us a brief overview of that to start, please. Yeah. So, um, I released my autobiography, which is called resilience, um, on my 30th birthday in June, 2021. Um, it's still a surprise to think that I even actually did that. Even when I say it, I'm like, oh, wait, I actually did that. Um, it was always a dream of mine, which is strange because um, I was talking about this with somebody uh, just earlier today. And I said to them, like, I kind of knew from a young age, maybe 12, 13 ish, that I kind of wanted to always like write a book or write something. But like, I was like, I'm going to write my story one day. And then it's like, I'm 13 years old. I haven't experienced half the crap that I was going to go through. So it was so strange. Cause it's like, is it like, would you call it like a sense of like foreboding? Like, it's like, I knew what I was going to do before I knew I was going to do it sort of a, like sort of a thing. So, um, I knew from a young age that like, I wanted to do something like that. Like I never felt the same. I mean, nobody should be the same as another person. Like we're all our own unique individuals, but 
like I always wanted to do, do something different. And I kind of think that comes from like the upbringing that I had and, you know, seeing my mother deal with alcoholism and stuff like that. So like I've known for a long time, I wanted to write my book. And to be honest with you, when Ireland went into the first lockdown in March, 2020, thanks to COVID, uh, like it's one of these things where I genuinely know now that I would not have ever, ever done it otherwise, because I always had this box of papers. I always had it sitting there. I always had the dream, but I never, I wouldn't even call it strength. I think it was more like I didn't have the determination or like the power. And when we went into the first lockdown, it was sort of, okay, well maybe this is actually, because the the first thing I thought of and so bizarre, like I was like sitting in the house for like three or four weeks, knew I wasn't going back to work. I was like, yeah, I think it's time to write my book. And I think when I started saying it to people, everybody was like, you're not going to do that. I'm like, watch me. So that kind of started the process. So, you know, um, I'm blessed to say I kind of set myself a goal, which is very, um, I don't know if anybody else in the world's like me with their ADHD and like says one thing, but does another then that like, you know, you surprise yourself sometimes, like when you actually do these things. And for me, I was like, no, I'm setting my goal for my 30th birthday, because this is going to be a brand new chapter for me. Like I was entering 30. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, kind of wiping the slate, slate clean I'm I can never like talk properly so like I'm sorry um you and me so, both so don't worry about it <laughs> so um it was like wiping the slate clean and like being able to like kind of like enter the chapter of like being an advocate and like a voice for other people I can I can totally relate to that in the fact that this is actually my second podcast and oh, I love that. Yeah, the first podcast was called Greater Than, and it actually was originally going to be called Greater Than Resilience. Oh um, my god, how so, weird! Yeah, right. And um, it was it really. I, I had a co co host named Dunya, and she uh, and I. She came from like a journalist background. I'm a uh, wing it. I'm going to show up. I'm going to ask questions. We're going to see what happens because. I really like that authentic conversation. So we were a really good balance. And we talked about the shit you don't want to talk about. We talked about uh, racism, um, you know, sex trafficking, disabilities. And so it really did like pivot and influence the how I named this podcast and doing this one on my own, because I never thought I could do it on my own. I thought I had to have someone else there, someone else more educated, more absolutely cultured, more, more everything. And yeah, it was, you kind of weren't I, giving yourself the credit that you had to be able to do the, the thing, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So yes, I relate to the feeling of like, oh shit, I did it. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> Just thinking back on it. Like, is that me? <laughs> yeah. What? What? Uh, so I can definitely, definitely relate to that. And now let's dive back a little bit with, you wrote a book. It's about your, your autobiography. You've been through some shit and you're an advocate. So where do we start? Like, what's the high level? Like, what is the synopsis of your book? So that way we can dive in more there. Um, okay. So I guess like the peak would be kind of like where it all ended for me, which was the the most traumatic part of my life, which was the the domestic abuse situation I was in. And that would be the peak because after that, it just, it was like my happy ending. You know, everything kind of that happened after that was was better. 
so that would be definitely the peak of my life. Um, and then you're kind of delving backwards into the previous domestic violence situation I was in before that. And, you know, the before that, it, it, it all kind of started. My teenage years were really shit. <laughs> so the shit I like, you know, the shit that you don't talk about is, you know, that like I, I was um, I was sexually assaulted when I was 13. OK, so nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about sexual assault. Who wants to talk about mm-hmm. that? Let's brush it under the carpet. Let's norm, like, let's normalize that this happens. No, it's not normal. Um, you know, I was 15 when I, no, I was 14. I'm sorry. When I entered my first domestic violence relationship. Um, now it wasn't the worst relationship in the world. I'm not going to say that, but it was definitely volatile. It was um, mentally and physically exhausting I mean at 14 I'm I'm 14 I should be playing with like Barbie dolls not out chasing somebody you know um you know I know now that that this particular person had bipolar so you know I I didn't understand mental health at that age um and then I was 15 when I fell into the next one and the next one was it was horrific it was it was it was literally life-altering you know there was multiple multiple times when I nearly took my last breath. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, it was just, it was, it was a mess. And by the grace of God, I'm still here today, but it really is by the grace of God. Cause otherwise, um, I know I wouldn't be sitting here based off of the things that I know now about then, you know? Um, so this, it this didn't all happen overnight, you know, it kind of started, um, with my upbringing and, 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 and being born into family dysfunction, as I call it, which, I don't know if you resonate with, but so many people are born into family dysfunction and maybe they don't classify it as family dysfunction, but it is, you know, for me, it was not having a father around. Um, My mother was an alcoholic, you know, not having the emotional support that I needed there as a child being in foster care, you know? So it's, it's all that shit that you just, you're kind of like, nobody wants to talk about that. Like, it's sad. Like, yeah, it's sad. But if we kind of, if we stay silenced, what use is that to anybody then? Yeah. And, and real quick for the audience and Brittany's doing a very amazing job ignoring my sneezes and blowing <laughs> my nose nonstop. So if I'm not responding to Brittany and you're not watching this on YouTube, that is why. And so part of me, I have horrible sneezes all the time. Yes, uh, to your question, I can definitely resonate with like the family dysfunction. And mm. my mom ended up being very physically and emotionally abusive, not because of her, you could say, but because of the abuse that my dad did to her. And Absolutely. and I I really want to call out that many, many children and adults don't realize that Sometimes a parent or someone close to them, it's cause and effect. A lot of times oh, for absolutely. everyone, it's cause and effect. Yeah. But it's, I know, like, my mom is my best friend now. Like, I know yeah. for a fact that she was feeling so stuck, like, she had no control over her life. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm an only child. I was her outlet. And yeah. that's not right. And she's grown tremendously from that. Yet, yeah. my dad, I don't even call him my dad. I actually call him my mother's ex. Yeah. No, I just call him my mother's ex. He doesn't even get that. Yeah. Like I don't, uh, because he is a psychopath, like 
okay, not diagnosed, but you know, I've done those fair shares of online uh, quizzes. So, and yeah, to we have therapist. to call it for what it is. Do you know what I mean? Like if that, that it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. And just be like, you went through a ton of domestic violence and I'm Googling it uh, because I, I do want to uh, p- explain what domestic violence is, because I know that I used to say, think that domestic violence was if just if you were hit and just the physical yeah. abuse. And, yeah, it's and so it's much not, more than don't that. Understand. Oh, yeah. it's uh, There's a lot more in depth like, just for my toxic, um, you know, to say, when I say domestic violence, I don't just mean being physically hit. Yes, I was physically assaulted on multiple occasions, but it's more than that. It's the mental, the mental aspect, uh, aspect, so sorry, of domestic violence is horrific. And I almost think, all right, cuts and bruises and scars will heal. Those mental thoughts, the mental torture is almost always worse. In my opinion, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist, nothing. Well, I'll tell you what I've experienced it. And I'll tell you what the mental torture years later is worse than the, the trauma of actually physically being hurt. You know, um, I mean, the first relationship, just for an example, you know, I was 14, he was 16 or 17. So at the time I've, I've since learned thanks to therapy, which is a great thing. You know, I was groomed essentially in both relationships because these people were older than me. And although I had the the physical ability to consent to both relationships. Um, they were actually doing the illegal thing by being in a relationship with me because I was underage and, you know, the sexual aspect of it and everything. You don't realize, um, I didn't know what grooming was until I was in therapy. So that's another aspect of it because it is, it's all tied into domestic violence. And, you know, majority of the first relationship was mental torture more than anything. I mean, there was a couple instances of actual physical assault and, um, but uh, it was more brainwashing, I would say, you know, more of a pull and a shove kind of a thing. So, you know, this person in particular had bipolar and, you know, he would play on certain strings with me, you know what I mean? Because he knew that he could, and I did not understand. I I've done mental health. I'm a mental health advocate. I I've done diploma and everything in it now. So I understand not everything, but a certain more extent. You know, is where the second instance um, was a lot more complex than that. Again, domestic. You're, you're saying domestic. When I when I hear domestic, I think it's something that's going on in your home. Um, so I had moved out at 15 because I was escaping my mother's alcoholism, and um, I was in a relationship with this particular person at the time when I moved out. Um, it very quickly dwindled off into just a friendship. There was a bunch of us living together. Uh, should I have moved back home? Yes, but I did not because I was 15 and I was independent and I knew everything. So I wound up staying in a situation I probably should have taken myself out of because I was no longer dating this person. But at this point, it was like being in a dorm and living with all your friends. Do you know what I mean? So the importance of that, and I, I'm, I'm almost ashamed to tell people that because they're like, but why Jim about? I'm like, it, it, it wasn't, <laughs> I just didn't want to watch my mother drinking anymore. So I, I had the freedom that I craved I had the no rules that I craved living out and doing what everybody else wished they could have been doing, if that makes any sense. You know, but it was, it was very, it was very volatile. It was abusive physically. Um, mentally, it was horrific. I was brainwashed. I was, you name it, I was us. You know, I was made to do things and and that I I 
wish I never had to do, you know, things that that'll never leave me. So when you hear the words domestic violence, it's not just, oh, I punched her in the face or, oh, I got punched in the face. No, no, no. It's a whole plethora. It really is the whole scenario of like behind closed doors, you know, yeah. and um, it, it really is. It's, it's, it's not just the physical end of it. it. It's so much more than that. And that's what's so important to talk about it and keep the open conversation about it. Agreed. Agreed. And, and I want to share a bit about my own experience because I feel like it, it, it'll be a way for others to also understand that, that teenage years, because, uh, with my mother being abusive, um, my, uh, People uh, that were involved in my uh, sexual abuse when I was eight to 10 actually ended up going to my high school. So I, I always craved my mother's ex, <laughs> uh, my, my dad's uh, affection, attention. His approval, uh, attention, his love. Yes, so I was the same. This, this, this person was about to go to my high school and I'm freaking out. My, my mother's and my relationship isn't great. Um, yeah. And so I was like, you know, I want to have this relationship with my dad. I'll go move in with him. And we'll just say this is when I had no idea what mm-hmm. gaslighting is oh, and God, yeah. what, what and how that. So I'm Googling it. And this one is just the first Google. And I feel like it, it does define it pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. And it's from insider.com. It's gaslighting happens when an abuser tries to control a victim by twisting their sense of reality. An example of gaslighting would be when a partner is doing something abusive and then denying that it happens. Gaslighters may also convince their victims that they're mentally unfit or too sensitive. Uh, And this is something that sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Something my father did was he would isolate my mother and I. So mm-hmm. even be like while my parents were together, he would just completely isolate and say to my mom and I that the rest of our family doesn't love us. The rest of our family doesn't want to know us. Yeah. And he truly isolated my mother. Um, and to in that it, it the domestic violence between my parents. Um, and I'm uh, this uh, definition is from assets dot publishing dot service dot gov dot uk for that was a mouthful (laughs) yeah uh, definition of domestic violence the current definition of domestic violence is any incident threatening behavior violence or abuse physiological physical sexual financial or emotional between adults who have been intimate partners or family members regardless of gender or sexuality Oh, well, and, Jesus, there you go. That sums it up. Yeah. And, and I want to <laughs> really point out that financial is a huge part of it. Oh uh, God, you know, yeah. Sexual is a huge part of it. You know, um, one that I think they're missing is spiritually because a lot of domestic yeah. relationships also hold over religion. Um, oh God, yeah, actually now that and, you said that. <laughs> um, yeah. so I, I moved in with my dad. That was a shit show. So when I was 16, I moved out on my own. Um, I was dating, uh, a gentleman that was four years older than me. He was actually one of the coolest people in the entire world. Yet oh, yeah. before then, all I did is I slept with people because I just wanted to feel loved. Yeah. Like you're chasing and, attention. You, you need yeah. that. 
Yeah, I wanted the validation. Yeah. And it was a horrible cycle of I wanted to be loved. I would give my, you know, be intimate with people way too early. And then they leave. And I couldn't understand why. I'm like, I'm trying to give you everything. And you begin to hate yourself as well. Yes. Yes. Mm. So when I moved out when I was 16, I actually moved in with my current boyfriend's grandmother, who is the sweetest lady in the world. And so when he and I broke up, I was, uh, to your point of not moving back in with your mother, I thought that I couldn't go back to his grandmother's house. In yeah. my head, I just was like, there was I can't no logic. go back. Yeah. yeah, I can't go back. Uh, I, I, There's no way that they would accept me. I'm not lovable. I messed up. Yeah. We're not together. And it was the type of thing that I ended up in turn almost making myself homeless. Because yeah. I, even though I had a home to go to, I honestly, looking back, know that I had somewhere to go to. But back then, yeah. I didn't. Mentally, you didn't have a home to go back to. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I really wanted to hone in on that because so many people will judge. And yeah. why didn't you do this? Or why did you stay with your abuser? And it's, it's definitely a hard thing to talk about because that gaslighting makes you really question your reality. Yeah. And so when you're talking about this, the second guy that you're dating and you're living with him and all of uh, their family or all their friends, there, like, Mm -hmm. how long were you in that situation? Well, um, okay. So I was 15 until I was 19. So talking four years. And I was in the relationship for the space for a sliver of it. It really, it was a relationship very quickly and over very quickly. And it was, it was, I was literally a slave. Do you know what I mean? To everybody else. Brittany wasn't Brittany. Brittany was a a formality to everybody else. Brittany was a, but it was what everybody else needed when it wasn't herself, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I entered that whole, that particular situation. Um, the summer of 2006, I was 15. Was it, yeah, I was 15. And I didn't get out of it until I had the strength when I was 19, which is when I moved over to Ireland, you know, you're talking one extreme to the next, you know, um, and it was when I moved over to Ireland, it was, it was a shit show. Like you said, like when you, you know, when things happen, everything that I had experienced hit me at once. And it's only within the last say maybe six years, I have actually been able to make sense of what happened to me and um, like speak about it and validate what happened and overcome it. Because before that I didn't deal with it. You know what I mean? It's just, it happened. And that was that I deserved it. Right. You know? So um it was one of these things where it's just, you know, those four years took so much away from me and I have to live with that for the rest of my life. But I I've, I've come kind of like a full circle and said, I'm going to take all that bad and I'm going to use it for good because I know it happened for a reason. You know, I know that I escaped alive. Like so many people don't get that. And I don't want to take that away from anybody else because I know that there's people who are worse off and who haven't made it, you know, and, but I was lucky enough too, and I want to be the voice for the people 
like me at currently and the people in the future and, you know, people that are suffering and maybe have never spoke about abuse that they endured because it's one of these things. There's, I mean, there's so much conversation about it now, especially with TikTok. TikTok is a massive thing at the minute, but um, it's just like, I think when you can relate to somebody, it's different. It's all right. Celebrities sharing, sharing things, you know, and, and all right, that's inspirational, but there's nothing like a normal person sharing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, to add to what you were just saying, it's using your, like your experience for good. It's, I, I've been told that two, two realms of the spectrum of when you use your own story that at least in my hope, it's there to give others that sense of hope that they can get out of it as well and yet other people have told me well you're just using it to get attention Jen you're just using it to be in the limelight and I it's it's definitely the type of thing that I am fortunate to now have a support group around me that can can take me off the ledge of me going oh shit I'm a horrible person Yeah, Yeah. they're right. Why am I doing Mm -hmm. this? Like, I need to stop. And that is definitely a hard part of, you know, the social media um, and the internet and being able to be so connected. But I I really, even in in the, you know, with all the haters, you know, let's share with everyone, but especially haters, how did you find the strength to get out of that? Like, where... Where, where did that happen? Like, how did you start building that up over the years to like, because there's two parts. Yeah. You finally said, fuck it, get out of your mom's situation, which is yeah. a huge feat on itself. Yeah. And then you have, you know, like, fuck it, let's get out of like this other relationship because I don't think a lot of people realize how much strength that takes, but it's also really oh, yeah. hard, at least for me to define how I found this strength. So Please mm-hmm. share your, your, your way of getting it. Yeah. So I think right now it definitely doesn't come easy. Um, I think anybody who's listening, even you will understand and agree that it doesn't come easy. So I, in my situation, the first instance with the first person um, was actually happening under my mother's roof. That was one thing. Okay. So that's gone, said, done. That's fine. So now I'm living out of my mother's right. So the instance with that I moved out of my mother's and the four-year period, the problem with that whole situation was my whole, I was under a threat. My, my physical being was under a threat because the person that was doing this was, um, <laughs> it was never diagnosed, but he was definitely some sort of a psycho. Like, I, again, I'm not a doctor, like you said, like, you know, but he definitely was, he, the thing was with him, he got off on controlling people. So my mom's house was under a threat. You know, my mom's phone wires were cut. You know, her, there was um, windows were broke. You know, my family was under a threat here. You know, so for a long time, night, just say 98% of the time that I was in that situation, I was afraid that if I ever did something where I tried to escape, which I had once or twice and saw what happened, you know, um, I, I knew what would happen. And like my mom and uncle, they're who raised me. Um, I didn't want, my mom's an alcoholic and I knew she's vulnerable. Do you know what I mean? And, and the problem was with the situation as well, 
my mom's boyfriend lived all of 20 feet away from where I was living, you know? So I knew that if I say got on this one particular person's nerves, um, he was mad, he was going to go out. And if he saw my mom, it wouldn't have crossed my mind twice. He would have knocked my mom down with his car. He would have killed my mom. I, I know that because that's kind of psycho and crazy. He was, do you know, that kind of way like, it's one of those things where you're like, uh, uh, I don't, I, I don't know if I can do it. You know, there was one instance I, I did. I got mad. I ran out of the house and he got his friend to drive. I actually don't know if it was him or his friend driving. One of them was driving anyway. The other one was holding a Pelican out of the car, saw me and was shooting at me. This is, this is out in public. Like there was no doubt that people saw this happening. Do you know what I mean? So of course, obviously it's one of these things where like I went back because I, I thought I was safer. For some bizarre reason, I thought yeah. I was safer. You know, so um, I, 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 you know, and you said it about people saying it about attention. It's actually so funny that you said that because two years ago, I was in, I, I was advocating. I had a mental health project. I thought I was the bee's knees. I thought I was great doing great things, you know, uh, making changes. But, uh, you know, people decided that, um, no, Brittany is all about herself. Brittany's talking shit. Just, you know, she just loves to hear herself talk, blah, 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 blah. And um, I mean, the comments I got online, people were like, oh, I used to work with her. And, you know, you know, she's very hypocritical. And I'm like, oh, hold on a minute. Who are you? And that took me right. I took a very, very bad mental breakdown when that happened. And I was in the process of writing my autobiography. And I, I second guessed everything. Do you know what I mean? So when you don't have a support system. Now, I did. I, I, I had my wife. But nothing that Anya said got through to me. I, I wanted to harm myself. I wanted to take my own life. I, I still to this day have all the screenshots of all the comments online on my phone. And I do. I'm guilty of going there and looking at them. Do you know what I mean? And thinking, Jesus, why am I doing this? You know, so when you don't have a good support system, you don't have the strength. Um, I did. I, luckily enough, my wife is an amazing support system. But it was more, I don't even know, there was, it was more than, than she could even do. She did, you know, it, there was only so much she would literally hold me in bed and I'd be crying. I'd be screaming, crying. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, and there's only so much one person can do, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. this kind of thing. And it's like, you really want to tell me that I'm talking about traumatic times in my life to suit myself. Do you know what I mean? Like, who are you? Like, what, like, who do you think you are? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I agree with that. I also will say that sharing your story and especially with others is, is a powerful thing to get rid of the shame yeah. on it. Yeah. And, and, and it's healing. It, it is healing. And that's a big reason that so many do share their stories because there is so much shame about it. And we do need to talk about that shit. And to, to kind of think back in some of the references you said, like when you got out of your uh, mom's house and uh, shot with a pellet gun. And I, I'll, in my opinion, like a lot of people can say, I don't, I still don't understand why you went back. I know for myself that it was, I ran away before and mm. I actually went to the police. I showed up yeah. at the police station and they were like, I never got that far. Yeah. Well, they told me to go back home. They told me that my parents are looking for me. And I'm like, wait, what? And then and, you're wondering and, why all these people turn up dead. 
like in all seriousness, <laughs> like let's be serious yeah. for a second. It's like you're telling yeah. me to go back home. Like are you for real? And and with with the pandemic, this has gotten so much worse because oh a lot God, of yeah. domestic violence victims can were able to at least get away for part of the day to be able to go to yeah. work. And I just first off, if anyone is listening that is currently going through in that yeah. type of situation, there will be links in in the description of resources and listening to this podcast, listening to any podcast, trying to get yourself out of it is a huge, huge Huge first step, huge step, because it's, there is, there is so much growth and healing. Yeah. And once, once you're out, it is, it is capable of going back in that similar situation. I know that I became in that situation again when I was uh, 28. I mm-hmm. got in, uh, I never thought of myself as worthy. And I would always put people with education or culture again <laughs> above me. And yeah. I started dating the guy that was getting his PhD. And, mm-hmm. and I was just like, all I ever shared were his accomplishments. Like mm-hmm. my worth was in how cool he was and mm-hmm. he was great on paper yet. Yeah. That's about it. Was, <laughs> yeah. That was about it. Like there was a time that I was, I have a really hard time with religion. Uh, a lot yeah, of my abuse so came from religion and I, he was talking about how a specific basketball player was, uh, really, really religious and talks about it all the time. And it, for some reason, really triggered me. And I uh, broke down crying. And his response was, go away and figure yourself out. And I was just like, what? Well, at the same, at that time, I wasn't, I was like, okay. And like, hit away. And it was uh, one of my work friends that like started talking to me and started like pointing out these issues, red flags. (laughs) Yeah. Like over and over and over. And it took close to a year for me to realize, Oh shit. And they gave me the opportunity to move in with them. Uh, That's amazing. And he became my best friend, my big brother, him and his husband. Like I, I loved living with them because there was so much healing and it was the first time I felt safe in a home. Like, yeah. And I was 28, like my entire yeah. life. This is the first yeah. time I felt really safe in a home yeah. and, and that I could be loved. And it yeah. was the first time I learned to fight with someone without feeling like they're going to disown me or hit yeah. me or, and have that conflict and have it resolved. Like coming yeah. home from a massage and then screaming at this person for really, really petty shit because a massage can get a lot of emotion out of you. Like you don't realize that emotion yeah. is built up in your body. And he just was basically like, okay, okay. And that was <laughs> even more bad. So I ended up like going to my room and crying for like an hour. And then I, I walk up and I'm like, I'm sorry. And he's like, I know you're cool. Don't worry. Like I you didn't to get like, it out. And he's like, you also had some fair points, but, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, the, the journey of healing and getting out is so hard. 
And, and now we're talking about that you got out and fast forward, you, your, your wife is a huge support. Now we we're dealing with the haters and you're writing your book Mm -hmm. and tell us a bit about your healing journey that since you got to Ireland and especially in the last six years that you talked about and how that started and some things you found really helpful to build in your toolbox to heal. Yeah. So I think um, like it's been a process. So like when I first moved over here, you know, I was still kind of like in the mentality that I was before I moved, you know, um, this particular person still had like an overcast shadow in my life, even though I was in a different country. And um, to be honest with you, it was back and forth for so many years, you know, it was more of, I was constantly also looking over my shoulder uh, because I knew that this person could come over to Ireland. Do you know what I mean? Because this person had friends and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, it was kind of one of these things where I was like, karma, take the wheel. Well, karma took the wheel. Uh, we'll get to that, but karma took the wheel eventually. And um, for so long, I just didn't deal or do anything about it. You know, I've always struggled with them. Um, my my family like my dad's family like I've nothing got to do with them and and stuff like that so like for years it was back and forth back and forth back and forth back and forth and it was I was in college and I started this mental health project and uh it was to do with suicide awareness linked in with my father and it was this kind of thing where something that really started to heal me so it started to like the tree started to grow and I started to speak about my own trauma and and things that I'd gone through and I started seeing how I was relating to people and how I was making a difference and, and stuff like that. I was like, Oh God, maybe I'm really onto something here. Now at this point I had already been writing pieces and I kept them away because I knew eventually I want to write the book and uh, doing the project kind of enabled me to do that. And it kind of taught me that I could do this thing that I thought I couldn't do. And the more I talked and the more feedback that I got and the more people I reached, I was like, oh, I could really be on to something here. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe, like maybe the bad was bad, but like maybe like it all happened for a reason. So, I mean, if you fast forward to 2016, which is, is that six years now this year? It's actually weird that I said six years. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Bad at maths, guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um my second abuser died in a very horrific way and I I pray that he got everything and he felt every ounce of pain that he ever inflicted not only on me because I know that he did it to somebody after me as well um the day that he died is bizarre because it was the same 24-hour period of the day that I was sexually assaulted when I was 13 so my full circle of trauma came and everything made sense when I got phone call that he had died. Now it didn't take, it took me a long time. I only made sense of all that recently. So you're talking all that time and all those years to be like, oh, wow, karma really had my back. Like it really all happened for a reason. So that gives me a serious amount of strength and the, the stability and the resilience to know, you know, what I am made of and um I got a serious amount of freedom you know what I mean and it's just kind of like 
oh yeah that's who I was because we like I'm sure you you understand see like you just said it about like craving attention and you know sleeping with people and stuff like that and I was kind of like that and that I wanted attention I needed attention I and I always looked for male attention and I think that was because I didn't have a father figure in my life I craved this like love that I thought that I needed you know and um it really wasn't until I met my wife that like I understood what true love was and and I understood what stability is and stuff like that and then I I just slowly found my voice it was a process and I think once I knew that I was doing my book I I started advocating a lot more you know I I stopped being afraid I I became unapologetic about what I was talking about and like if you don't like it that's fine if it makes you uncomfortable that's fine there's the door but I'm not going to stop talking about what I'm talking about just to suit somebody else and I do that very much in my book you know people have said to me like when I'm reading your book people that know me they're like I can hear you in those lines like I can hear you reading that book out and I love that because I want that's what I wanted do you know what I mean I didn't want it to not sound like me and I I, since my book's been released it's near it'll be a year now this June I don't know my voice I just I can't stop it just it's taken me to new heights do you know what I mean I, I just want to tell my story I, I literally emailed Oprah Winfrey this week because I want I, I <laughs> do you know what I mean like like yes. I just I've been, I've been emailing anybody that'll that they can find their email and and will they li- reply maybe not maybe they will I don't know but um <sighs> there's not enough of these stories covered mm-hmm. it really isn't they don't get enough and um the reality of it is we we often see celebrities being abused in domestic violence situations and stuff like this but I I just there's just something about a real life story from a real life person that doesn't come from money that doesn't come from anything telling their story and having nothing to lose that I just think is is that much more special I I can definitely relate on that and I will say part of my healing journey I one of the only reasons I'm able to do this podcast now is because I'm in a very safe and secure relationship. And I, I mean, audience, y'all are probably sick of hearing about Tyler. I know I talk about him on almost every episode. It's super annoying, but he really is (laughs) such, such stability in my life. And it's something I I honestly don't know if I've talked about this yet, or if I have, well, everybody gets to hear about it again. Um, <laughs> is, is the fact in 2018, uh, I met him about two months before uh, work sent me to Europe for three months. And that was my my goal in life. Like that's mm-hmm. all I ever wanted to do was travel for work. And they were sending me all over Europe. And while I'm in Europe, I break up with him because he, the first two months we were talking every morning at night Mm -hmm. and by month three, it's like getting way too busy. I don't have time. And he's hanging on. He's like, we're going to keep talking. And I actually told him, I'm like, dude, I can't handle it. You're too clean. Like, (laughs) and I like tried telling him over the phone and then I sent it as a text and I was, it was a lot of, I was still valuing work or friendship and more than being in a happy relationship. Mm -hmm. And when I got back, I, I've been through a lot of self-development courses. They're definitely not 
for everyone. I'm not saying that you have to go through them to heal. That was my healing journey. And I took, uh, Matthew Hussey has a five day course and he, I took that course and it has you, uh, create an identity statement. And, um, I'm actually going to look it up right now because it's, I have never heard of that before. Yeah. Uh, well, please stand by. Let me, <laughs> let me go to the proper notes on my phone with my sniffles. Okay. This is my identity statement. My promise to you is to be kind to you, to hear you, to see you, to be present for you, to use every gift I have been given to give a voice to all those who have been silenced or go unheard. I vow to creating a, co- a culture of connection. I walk the walk. I'm resilient. I am kind to myself. I go all in. When I experience a moment, I allow myself to feel it, process it, and learn from it. I forgive the choices of the past and take risk for the future. I am curious. I chase challenges using fear to push past discomfort. I learn from my mistakes, share the challenges, and use what I have, what I learned to fuel my hustle. I live outside the box, outside my comfort zone. I respect my boundaries while pushing the limits physically, emotionally, sexually, spiritually, and financially. I live with gratitude and strive to remain humble, leaving ego at the door. I love that. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And uh, they have you write that in, in this course. And it's something that really puts down my own values on paper is the best way I think I could say it. And when I got back about a week later, I was like, Tyler deserves an in-person conversation. Like, yeah. Like I owe him that apology. Like yeah, I fucked up. I totally fucked up. And I read that to him and it was so much of, he was a human I always wanted in life, but I didn't yeah. feel like I could be loved. Like I yeah. didn't love myself. You didn't feel yet. worthy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. ever since then, like, we talked on a Friday and Sunday. I'm like, I'm all in forever and ever. And, you know, fast forward many years, we're still together. And um, it's, it's, I mentioned this because building a support system is, it's definitely possible. Yet, if I look back into these really bad relationships, yeah, these really abusive relationships, I almost never thought that it was possible. And yeah finding resources is it's the first step to get out oh and, yeah no it definitely is yeah absolutely and there's a lot of anger that went through this and uh I don't know if I necessarily agree with five stages of grief uh because there's times yeah. I still get angry at these people but yeah. for the most part it's like I strive to have grace in this situation and by that I mm-hmm. mean wish them the best wish them to have a happy life. Yeah. Just stay the fuck out of my life. <laughs> stay over there. Like, yeah. Six feet at all times. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's say like 6,000 feet at all times, you yeah. know, like, yeah, like I don't even extra social distancing over there, yeah. please. Yeah. 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 But yeah so no. the, it is definitely a journey. And I love that we talked about that. We've talked about quite a bit. Is there anything yeah. that you specifically wanted to bring up that we haven't talked about yet? Well, it's actually just, I, I want to say this because um, I, I said it to somebody earlier as well when I was talking to another podcaster and he was like, I'm so glad that you said it to me. Went off, got off the phone with me and went and listened to it. Just that you said that they get you to write that. I was um, in 
a guest on a podcast um, called Surviving Abuse Podcast. It's a, it's about somebody who's who like you has survived, you know, um, horrific things. I don't know where he's based. I want to say Colorado, but I don't think it's even Colorado. But it's over in America anyway. And um, he he asked me to do something that completely changed my entire life. And um, he asked, he reached out to me and he says, um, so I want you to be a part of my podcast. I was like, yeah, cool, no problem. And um, he said, but I have a very different approach to normal podcasts. And I was like, okay. And he said, I want you to write a letter to your abusers. And I was like, I was floored by this. I was like, oh, okay. And all my years since leaving the trauma, I never, I've wrote letters. Don't get me wrong. I wrote my diary. I have plenty of diaries. I've never addressed a letter to the people that raped me uh, or to either relationship that I endured. And I was floored by this. So he was like, look, it probably take you a little bit of time. I was like, oh no, I'm ready to go. I was like, I'll start writing this letter. I wrote this letter. I think it's about three pages long. And what he does with this letter is um, he puts it out on his Spotify as the pro, uh, as like the first part to your episode. So it's me reading the letter out and you can hear the power in it. Do you know what I mean? And it was only after I wrote it, you know, I was standing in the kitchen one day and all of a sudden that revelation, which I think I, I said about the, um, the date and the month of my last abuser dying, linking in with the, my sexual assault, it all come full circle. And I'm not joking with you. I started screaming around the kitchen. It was like the weight lifted off of my chest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So again, it's all about the resources and it's all about, you know, um, it, it really is. It's all about having the proper avenue to do things. You know, for me, I was lucky enough and I am lucky enough, fortunate enough to be able to have the avenue to speak online. And, you know, hopefully one day it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and I get in touch with the room free and I'm just famous and it's fine. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, you know, we really, there is strength in numbers. I, and I think if there's anything, like if there's anything, it's just that I could say to anybody that we maybe didn't talk about. It's just like, you really need to understand your worth and your self-value. I know it's sometimes it's hard when you're in the situation, but just know it's in there. Like, you know, I always say to people like, find your resilience, hold on to it. Do you know what I mean? Because it is in there, you know, um, just, you might feel like you're stuck, but you're not, you know what I mean? Like you are not what your abusers are telling you. You're not the bad, you know, um, you are worthy or enough. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't say it enough. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. are meant for this world. Yeah. And uh, I think you, you led perfectly into like words of wisdom. And I think that's like all any of us can repeat enough in, and also to like, I feel like those that have been through some type of trauma and almost everyone's been through trauma of some sort, no matter what yeah. social class, no matter where in the world, like, everybody's been through some shit and just continuing to tell people that they are worthy. They are enough. They just as they are, it doesn't matter where they are financially, spiritually, emotionally, uh, work-wise, career-wise. They're enough. Yeah. And people don't, people don't realize that. Yeah. And that's yeah. the big thing. I, know. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if you're a, a person of TikTok, but TikTok is a huge, huge, huge platform lately 
for all these like empowerment like platforms, yeah. all these women. And it's like, holy fuck. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wouldn't have been a big TikTok person until I'd say maybe the last two or three months. And I swear, I feel like I have more information about, yeah. you know, the ins and outs of it. And, and, you know, what motivates me is seeing women on there. Like, like you see women on there that are fresh out of a domestic violence or fresh out of a sexual yeah. assault. And they're using that platform to reach other people. Do you know what I mean? So like, I, you have to realize you are enough. And, and on that point, I do definitely want to call out. You don't just have to be like a cis woman that goes through this. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, any, any sexuality or, yeah. you know, just being human. Yeah. You can go In through general. this. Yeah. And, and we, we can dive into this on another episode is there are parts of your life that you can be the abuser and the victim. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's very, very, there's so much into this and psychology yeah. and therapy and yeah. sociology and even economics go into this. So oh, yeah, we will pause there. Any other words of wisdom that you would want to leave our audience with? I think if I have any words of wisdom for anybody that's listening, I just think it's like, just find your voice. If you can't find your voice, find your platform, find your people. and just reach out to your people. Even if that's somebody, maybe it's a stranger on social media, maybe you just feel like they're a safe space, just reach out to them, you know, just find your people, find your resilience and, and, and stay in that lane towards your healing. Um, you know, you are, you're stronger than you were yesterday. And with each day, you are just gaining more and more resilience, more strength, more, more, you know, amazingness. And, if you're going to do advocating, if you want to empower the people, do it for the people that like you speak to your inner child, you know, um, just reach out. You know, like I said, I, I don't, I'd be happy with follows on social media and people sharing my, my, my stuff. That's what it would make me happy. The sales make me happy, but just having my voice heard, you know, people just being like, I want to hear your story. Do you know what I mean? And, and, or you changed my day you know, something like that. If I have words of wisdom, it's just be use your voice. Use your voice because you really don't realize the power that's in your voice. Even if you don't think it, I promise you, you have yeah. so much power. A hundred percent. And how do people reach out to you? Yeah. So I'm on, um, I'm on a couple of the social media um, platforms. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram under resilience, the autobiography. It's just one 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 word um on youtube i think i'm also resilience the autobiography i'm hoping to do like vlogging and and all that sort of stuff on there so if people want to subscribe for future things that i'm put on there um tiktok i'm not on tiktok at the minute so it'd be instagram and facebook i'd say it would be the the biggest things at the minute um you know, like I, I'm talking about TikTok here, but I only have a personal TikTok. Um, if anybody <laughs> does want to follow me on that because I'm like inspirational in some way, shape, or form, it's just underscore Brittany Helen with an X. Um, but you know, if you follow my book on the social medias on on Facebook and Instagram, you know, I I do daily posts. I I try and do positivity. I share book excerpts, and um, I'm just looking for. I just want to connect with people. That's that's. I just yeah. want to connect with people and you know, they are my motivation, you know what I mean? So yeah. um, it's just onwards and upwards, really, I suppose, like from here. Yeah. And uh, 
as a total random thing, does anybody else, you as well, but does anybody else start to burp when they sneeze a lot? Just like, that's a very, well, I'm, not very a, I'm not a big burper. Yeah. Like that's a very random thing, but I'm just, <laughs> I, I've been sneezing and sniffling this entire time. And I'm like, you know, uh, well, anyway, you, you need you, some Pepto-Bismol. I need to stop sneezing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> to finish off the episode, uh, what is something that you're grateful for? My resilience. I definitely think my resilience, like my willpower to keep going, even when I could have just given up. Definitely. Yeah. Because there were so many times I wanted to give up. There's so many times I wanted to give up and I'm just grateful that I never did. That's, that's, I'm just grateful that I kept going. That's awesome. And uh, I will say my, my gratitude is, is patience and oh, yeah. understanding. Um, yeah. I feel like that goes into all parts of life. I, to give us a call out, Brittany and I have been trying to talk for like four months, four months, <laughs> like literally four months, <laughs> like, like literally like, the next one after three for four months. And it's, <laughs> it's the, the great thing about, I feel like with life is it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is a hard, hard thing to accept. Uh, it is. It's not something that I'm always great at, but I really appreciate you coming on the episode. Uh, the no, I appreciate today. you having me. You are I'm super very excited. welcome. Yay. Talk to you later, Brittany. Thanks. We appreciate you listening to the episode. Please like, follow, and share on our social media at shit to talk about. That is shit the number two talk about. Stay tuned on Wednesdays and Fridays for new episodes. This episode was made possible by production manager Trom Nguyen, business manager Bill Powell, and your host, Jeff.